All right. Hello. If you've noticed, I uh, have just decided to completely eliminate uh, trying to upload these podcasts with the intro, uh, the amazing intro that Gabby created for us, because I have to focus on massive imperfect action. And if I record this and then try to take it to the computer, add the intro, make sure it blends perfectly and seamlessly with my words in the talking, it just is not going to happen. So then I realized if I just sit in the car and hit record and just talk about whatever I'm thinking about and then hit upload, it works. It's easier. So we are in a weird time. I personally still think we are the best time to be alive. I really do. But it's really, really crazy and really, really hard. And, you know, I can look at of this gift that I can see a lot of different inputs, information, patterns, and kind of weave them in my mind into clairvoyance, into seeing um, a path. And it served me well because I can simultaneously dream big while planning for the worst. And it allows us to, you know, be able to travel as much as we do and like live our life where it's I I mean to me it's so normal but I was leaving the RV this morning thinking about how crazy that you know Danny sitting there reading his book he as a type five he loves not being rushed and he loves having his time and his resources and then at about 11 he'll get well maybe 10 he'll get going and uh, start working and then work until four o'clock and then go to the gym and then spend time with his brother and sister and like he has his routine and we've been able to uh, help him with that and realize that that's what he needs in order to feel healthy and happy and Jariah and Tati sit and read for an hour every morning and then they type on their computer they're always writing books and that's their that's their education is that they get to choose whatever they want to read and write about and then they discuss it with Danny and he has, um, oh, and then they also draw a lot. They spend a lot of their time drawing and I'm a huge proponent of that aspect of brain development because the future is going to be so much based on creative jobs. So it's allowing their uh, brain to work in those creative ways. We don't spend hardly any time ever memorizing information. We can acquire information, but we never spend really brain power on memorizing because it's not what the future is going to direct us to. You know, we, we're going to have access to information of hopefully at the touch of our phone and not just straight through Neuralink, but um, to be able to take information and put it out into the world in a way that others can understand and that draws people in is really important and helps people feel relatable. And that's what I try to do with this podcast is so that as much as I ramble and I'll probably never not ramble is I hope, I hope there's a part of it that feels like, Oh, I feel the same thing that you're talking about, Robin. I get that. Like, it's nice to know that I'm not alone. That would be my the reason I keep trying to, to show up in this space. Anyway, so I think of like how, how crazy it is that we have this, this life that, you know, there was a time when my life was about driving to work, sitting 45 minutes in traffic, rushing then 
uh, to soccer practices and then sitting in traffic to rush over to gymnastics practice. And not that those things aren't important to like give an outlet to our kids development because I'm still taking my daughter to gymnastics again. And I'm like, oh, this is so funny. But now I get to do it and it only takes me three minutes to drive there. And it's temporary. She has the understanding that like when we're here, we go. And when we're not here, we don't go. But just to see the the evolution of what our day looks like. And there was a time when our day looked like waking up in Germany and packing up a tent and stacking, trying to get everything to fit into a rental car so that we could drive a hundred miles and go see a new part of Germany. And uh, we've had parts of our life where she's where we're in Bali and we're waking up at 4 a.m. because the mosques are singing their prayers at that time and you're like all right I guess I'm getting up at 4 a.m. today and then you walk across a field of trash and cut your feet up on the sea urchins while you try to go paddle out and hope that the locals aren't going to like yell at you if you catch a wave before them just the diversity of what a day looks like in our family is to me extremely powerful I mean it's very 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 motivating because I think like that every day I wake up and I go, this day is unique because I have not told myself that every single day of my life has to be the same. And I know there are like most people that, uh, well, Victor and my families grew up in, we grew up in a situation where it was like every day was the same. That was the norm. Like you don't, this is just what you do every day of your life looks like that. And so Victor and I end up hitting heads a lot because there's, there's this part of him that his programming still operates that way. I, I would argue that he doesn't necessarily want that. He doesn't truly want predictability and the exact same thing every day. However, he hasn't got to a point where he can catch that he's operating with that assumption. And if you're operating with that assumption, that means that's your belief system. You're, you believe, whatever you believe is how you act. And so if you're acting as if, well, every single day is just going to be, is going to be the same, then that means you believe that you can't change your reality. And from somebody who's like, I've changed my reality so many times. And it's not to say that I don't appreciate each version of it. I just know like even right now when I'm frustrated a little bit or feel a little bit lost or I'm there's so many things I'm feeling. I'm feeling emotions of, um, a little bit of feeling of loss for sure of like, Oh, I've lost this one stage that I was at, but at the same time, because of my past, knowing that anytime you feel that sense of loss or feeling that sense of overwhelm or being stuck or uncertainty or, uh, wanting more, any of those things, I know that there's always, this moment where I sit in that space and then all of a sudden an opportunity arises and I'm off and running and I'm, I'm down a different dirt road or on a different plane or sitting in a different surf break or climbing a different rock wall or sitting outside, um, a totally foreign neighborhood. Like right now I'm sitting in the middle of Lander. I needed to go into some quiet space. So I drove till I found some nice sunshine and it's like, you, you just know, I believe, I have a belief system, obviously, that I can change things. I can change my thoughts. I can change my uh, physical location. I can change how I live my day. I can 
I can change all of these things. I'm allowed to for one, and I'm capable of it for two. And I really don't remember why I started this podcast today, what I was going to talk about. Um, I think it started because I, oh, well, the crypto market was crashing again. And so uh, when the crypto market crashes, I go to to uh, different YouTube videos that I, I look to them because they do more research than me on what's going on. Is it whales are pulling out their money or is there, did some new Fed regulation come through or, you know, I just like to gather information. Uh, as a type eight, it can be my stress to be too much of a researcher, but it can also be my growth to just gather just enough research that I can stay trusting my intuition over the grand scheme of things. And so um, when the market was crashing, I think I, I gathered information and I started listening to a whole bunch of different people that I rely on for, for that information. And I thought, I thought to myself, like, there's always this moment where you could be totally scared. Like, I don't doubt that we're going to go into, um, a massive recession. I, you know, I've been saying it for, I think from the second March, 2020 came along, I knew I'm like, oh, we're, this is, this is going to turn out pretty bad. But I truly believe that I can thrive in that say, in that scenario. I I do also believe that humanity is has to evolve. Like that we're at this fork. It's either you have two options. We can either continue to live in fear, and we live in fear, we outsource our truth and our capability and our boldness and our bravery. We can outsource all of that to whether we want to call it big government, the cabal, um, Satan, whatever you want to think about or call it, we can outsource our truth to somebody else to protect us. Somebody else is going to save us. Or we can insource our truth. And that's what one of the many reasons I show up because I'm always, of course, of course, I'm going to choose insourcing my truth. And insourcing your truth really means sitting in silence and listening first. Like what, what are you feeling? You're not your emotions. Everybody I coach and, you know, I tell them you're, you're not your emotions, but you have to be aware of those emotions. So that's why I can get on here and say like, God, you guys, I'm really feeling a, feeling a lot of loss because I have to let go of what my day used to look like with my daughter's rock climbing every day. Will I climb with them some days? Absolutely. But I had an emotional attachment to that being my identity and that bringing me joy. And now I have to insource that to new things. I gave up my power and going, you guys are fun. So I'm going to go do these things with you. And that's outsourcing my power on a small scale. My kids are not there to provide me fun. I had this, I can go have fun with them, but I have to be able to provide that for myself too. And the only way I can figure out the answer of what that looks like next is by sitting and reflecting on what's the emotion I'm feeling and what's the story I'm telling myself. Am I telling myself that um, the only way to have fun is if I'm doing an epic adventure with my kids? Well, I got to tell you, like, I know that that's a lie. Was there a time when maybe that was my story? Possibly. Um, the, the other thing is that you don't know until you try different things. So, like, I know that I'm at this crossroads. 
So I go to insource my truth. What is it that I'm feeling? Well, I feel like I need connection with somebody to do something that still aligns with my values. And I value newness a lot. I value experience. I value, I want to have different inputs into my life. I want to be able to evaluate, analyze, feel them out, and then process it, use it. It becomes like another brick in my um knowingness. I've known, I've experienced, I've seen Bali, I've seen Spain, I've seen Germany. I know what they're like. Okay. Do I need to be there again? Probably not. I love newness. And so we, um, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm not this dynamic that what I used to do and spend my days only climbing with my girls or only surfing with Gabby or only doing this, that's evolving. And I have two young kids that are like, really amazing. Do they do as epic of things as Gabby and Isabel? Well, not at this age, but they will. And so I I sit back and like think, okay, what can I do with them? Like I need newness. They need connection from their mom. So I ran home yesterday. I said, Hey, let's, let's go, let's go for a hike. And then they say, as we're going up, they go, Hey, let's trail run it. And we've never trail run. They've talked about it a couple times and I did something silly. Actually, it's just trapped emotion. I hurt my right hip and then I hurt my left knee. And I know it's just trapped emotions on a specific meridian that I'm working on. But they said to trail run and I was automatically went like, oh, I can't. I'm hurt. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, Robin. Like your kids want to run with you. You better be able to run. So I get so I said, yeah, let's do it. Okay, yeah, let's let's run. And it's 130. 85 degrees out and it it still has a couple hundred feet of elevation gain and so I go well I'll just let them kind of lead the way I go like why don't we just try to start running like two minutes on and walk for a minute and we start with that pattern and Tatiana is a beautiful strong very healthy type six but as a type six Sixes do not necessarily love discomfort at the same way that a type eight loves discomfort or a type seven, Jariah, um, is oblivious to discomfort. And so I did think about nurturing her. I thought, oh man, this girl, I could, I could actually make this amazing experience or I could make this a horrible experience for her. And so of course, I'm going to try to make it a great experience. So I tell her like, all right, I can see that she's pushing herself maybe too hard that she's going to get, she's not going to say something. She's just going to wait till she snaps and gets really angry. And so I go, you know, let's use RPE, rate of perceived exertion. And I want you to stay. I want you to tell me when you're walking, when you get to a three and when you're running, I want you to tell me when you get to a seven and only go 10 more seconds and then stop. Well, that was, that was a great thing to do for her, but it was really hard for her to internally measure what a three and a seven were because I would catch that she was misjudging it because at some point I said, like, look, you're pushing to an eight because you're um, not being able to drop down to a three fast enough. And so I want you to, what you thought was a seven, I want you to pretend as a six now instead. And I need you to stop at a six because if she pushed so far that she hated the experience, she was never going to want to do it again. So we reevaluated her RPE and, and she did it. She crushed it. And like the way back, of course, was downhill. So they could run pretty much the whole thing down. And so what could have been a negative experience, because my old type eight would have been like, yeah, let's crush this. Let's go really hard for intensity. Or 
I could have fleed and been like, oh, no, no, I'm too, like, I don't want to run. It's my knee's going to hurt me a little bit. I could have, yeah, because of the fact that I caught that thought in my head going to like, I don't want to. And I'm like, wait, who's it about me or them? That's, that's the, let's, let's call that the take home for today. The take home is going to be about to be a good parent and, and like, honestly, right now, I don't feel like a very good parent. I feel like, I feel like I'm struggling, but overall, I know that to be a good parent means you have to really, truly put your kids in front of your own ego. And that that's hard to do. I mean, I do it often, but every time I do it, I see myself struggling to do it because deep down, I want to feel kind of like, but what about me? But because I catch myself say or think, but what about me? Just that moment of, but what about me? That realization that they're on a subconscious level, your mind is dictating or your ego is driving your subconscious mind as a defense mechanism to prove yourself, to get validation. Uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup talks about this, that you see this in these... um, in these controlling helicopter moms or, or really in moms that are afraid to discipline their children because they fear that rejection that they got from their eighth grade f- girlfriends. And so because they fear that rejection, they don't want that same rejection from their kids. So they end up being, yes, you know, uh, appeasing and not, and not laying the foundation for, um, strong discipline that's needed. And now we're in this world where we have this pull between authoritative parents, like all these people don't want to be authoritative with disciplining their kids because they had authoritative parents to this swing, this, this full other, um, I forget what the, what the term's called that, um, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't really agree with what it's talking about because it's so much about like, it seems at least, I've been corrected, but it appears that it's very much like overly nurturing to the extent of we're not forcing our kids to do hard enough things. And if we baby them too much and constantly like, how are you feeling? Oh, can you use your words? If if we don't step in and sometimes just be like, no, that's not okay. Or better yet, what I work with everybody on is like, defining your expectations of your children, defining the expectations of yourself first, and then being able to define that what you expect your kids to contribute, to provide for themselves, to be self-reliant for themselves. It's this, um, so when my ego comes in and thinks like, but what about me? I have to check and be like, yeah, well, what about you? Like provide that for yourself, Robin, set boundaries. Like if I want to go do something really, really hard, then I need to set aside time for me to go do that really, really hard thing for myself. Or if I want to, um, if I want to feel listened to, then I need to make the request like, Hey, I need you guys to listen to me right now. I'm feeling this. Then I have to be willing to be open with people and, and make the request that like, Hey, I'm feeling these emotions. I need to be heard. Whatever it is. Those are small examples. But in the case of what I'm feeling on the macro side of with 
maybe Gabby and Isabel, to what I was feeling on a more micro scale with deciding to go do something new that aligned with my values with Tatiana. And in both cases, being able to see, wait, wait, my ego wants to be like, but what about me? And then to further take it another to the next step, it's like when you catch your ego going, well, what about me? I want to be heard. What about me? I want to be valued. What about me? I don't want to be pushed this hard today. Or what about me? I want to, I want to be the best or whatever that ego defense is that's getting in your way. You have to ask yourself like, why, why are you so scared to unravel that? You know, why are you so scared? What was the parallel thing that happened when you were a kid that caused you to put that defense mechanism up. And you want to go really deep. The next one is you have to realize that like you're not going to you're not going to be able to fix that. You're not going to be able to change that. Your only your only path forward is to forgive and to let go. And then the hardest part that I see people do is to create a third eye vision of where they want to go. Because you can sit and complain and you can sit in depression and be sad. You can sit in anxiety and be scared. Or you can sit in empowerment and be grateful and create a plan for yourself and create a dream for yourself and find that place where they, where they overlap, where you're not like you, your dream should be something that excites you and scares you a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, what if, what if this podcast that has 20 downloads had 20,000 downloads? Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool because then I'd feel like, oh, I don't just show up to just talk to myself in my truck and that like, oh, may, maybe I have, maybe I have some wisdom to share. Maybe I've, um, maybe some of my struggles can help other people struggle less. Maybe, I mean, that would be pretty damn exciting for me. Um, but at the same time, to get there, you have to have some form of plan. You have to actually show up and record that podcast, or you have to actually show up and organize your thoughts maybe in a better way so you don't ramble on and on. Um, the, the, the message that I'm noticing as I keep showing up more and more, sometimes I get confused on like, what is my message? I have so many messages and they don't seem to ever follow one path. They bounce around a lot is as, as a parent, I used to say that we have this, like we, we have this sacral chakra deficiency. Like we didn't feel valued as kids. We felt ignored by our parents or they didn't, they didn't do something for us. Every single person, like, I don't care who you are. There's something that you see like, oh, my parents lacked this thing. And now because they lacked this thing, I'm going to do it better. But the thing is, our parents did the same thing. They thought their parents lacked something and they thought they were doing it better. And those, our grandparents thought their parents were lacking something and thought they were going to do it better. And each generation's telling themselves, we are totally doing it better. And we, maybe we are, but we're not catching the thing that we're living that we're creating that same thing for our kids. Our kids right now are simultaneously appreciating us. We think, right? In my ego, I think, oh my gosh, I am so much better than what my mom did. 
and she thinks she's so much better than what her mom did. And simultaneously, my daughters are thinking like, wow, my mom's trying her best, but I'm going to do it so much better than she does. And as soon as we can like realize that we're all doing the same damn pattern, maybe we can stop trying to prove that we're better and start just accepting that we're not going to probably be better. But maybe we can, by accepting that we can't necessarily be who we think we're going to be, this idealized version, in our attempt to be better and to let go of our, our ego defending why we're better, we might just be better. Like better's, better can be just better and it, it could be just enough, right? We have this void, I try to wrap this up, this void of sacral chakra. I feel unworthy. I'm not seen. I feel like I'm just never enough. I just want people to recognize that I'm special and I'm unique and I have these gifts, but I don't know how to share them because I wasn't taught how to express myself. And now I've buried all this hurt and pain in my heart chakra. But, but maybe, just maybe, if I, if I parent in this way, then I'm going to prove like if I, if I either, whether it's I over control and I helicopter parent, or I'm just super kind and loving and I don't discipline or I'm never harsh on my kids. Or if I'm the Disneyland mom and I take my kids to Disneyland twice a year and buy them the Mickey Mouse ears, there's some defense mechanism we're each living because of that unworthiness feeling because of that trying to prove ourselves that instead we just pause more and we sit and think about we just first seem like we are enough you're enough right now how you are you're good enough and this version of yourself that you think you have to be you're probably never going to be and even if you got close to it if you went towards it thinking that that was the answer you're just going to put a new a new um, goal out there because you're never, you're never going to learn. If you don't learn to accept and surrender, you're, you're just going to keep pushing the goal further and further. Okay. I use rock climbing analogy. Um, You know, Gabby and I talk about this, but I say like, you're still doing the same thing in a way, Gabby. Like the, the goal was first to be able to climb in the 11s and now to climb 12A and now it's 12B and I'm like, okay, that's great. But at some point, if you're doing that same mentality that like, oh, but once I get to 12A, then I'll be happy, then you're always going to want another one. And then it's going to be 12B, 12C, 12D, 13. At some point, you have to, at some point, you have to stop telling yourself it's, it's a goal that if, if I reach this goal, then I can rele- release that. And I, I catch it. I can say these things because I catch it in myself in other in other areas of life, and hence why I'm like I just show up on the podcast and ramble, and maybe maybe some clarity will come out of it. Because I used to be like, if I don't have everything organized and in a plan, then I don't then I don't know what to show up and talk about, and I need to I just then I don't do it. So my mine is massive imperfect action this way. So let maybe massive imperfect action for you is just is just choosing massive, imperfect acceptance. That might be your massive, I'm, I'm talking to a couple of you that I, uh, that might be downloading this that I talk to weekly. Like maybe massive, imperfect action really looks like massive, imperfect acceptance. And you just accept that you're never going to be better than your parents were. 
and that your kids are always going to have tell themselves a story that they're going to do it better than you. And maybe just accept the fact that like, we're all just doing our best. And when you accept that, maybe you can allow yourself to be vulnerable to, to your own failures and to your own uh, gifts too, honestly. Because I think when that wall comes down, you start to see like, you don't need to prove that you're good enough. You just start to see in yourself that you're good enough. And I always bring it back to Monty Pura. You got to go into solar plexus. The only way, it's because I go home yesterday from work and feel overwhelmed and lost and inspired at the same time that I go, hey, try Tati, you want to go for a hike? Let's get outside. Let's let's connect with nature and let's do something. And they say like, hey, let's trail run. And I go like, that's Manipura. That's outside their comfort zone. Heck yeah, let's do it. We might discover something new by pushing ourselves 4%, like Dr. Zach Bush says. Or I don't know if it was him. Somebody else said 4%. I have a tendency to try to push people 40%. But I'm like, 4%, that's a good target for me. 4% outside your comfort zone. And because I've lived so many years of my life at 4% outside my comfort zone, I've accumulated this amazing amount of worthiness. That's not the same, like, I'm sure some people look at me like, wow, you're so conceited or something. I'm just okay with who I am. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be the best podcaster. I'm not going to be the best YouTuber. I'm not going to be the best climber. I'm not going to be the best, but I'm the best version of myself right now. And I show up authentically and try my best every day. And I really do like, I've kind of proven to myself with coaching that I really do care a lot about people. I probably have to do, um, more in the way of, uh, defining my value in price point because I think I allow myself to overgive in and sometimes it's hard that that's probably the thing that I look at myself the most and go you know what you have to <clears throat> draw your boundaries a little bit better there but for the most part I really <coughs> care too much about people than not too much I mean that's the whole whole reason to show up here. It's the whole reason to make Be The Hero membership sites. It's the whole reason that I write blogs that necessarily don't bring us that much more money, but because I do believe we're on this path, right? You can outsource your truth. Government, they're going to roll out the Fed coin in the next year. You're going to need paperwork probably to um, access your Fed, Fed account Maybe not initially, but at some point, you're going to need to be showing some papers if you want to access that Fed coin, okay? You're going to, you know, they're going to want to regulate everything. They're going to want to know every single place you go, how you spend your money. You know, with that Fed coin, even if you don't need papers, you've got to understand that it's all digitalized. So they're going to control how you spend your money. Oh, you get, Hey, maybe it'll work out. Maybe you have to spend 12% of your income on self-care. Maybe, or maybe it'll be like, Oh, you're only allowed to spend 20% of your food on anything that has a negative carbon impact imprint. So that diesel truck you drive, Oh, well that just took up 19% of your allotment. So now you only have 1% allowed to go spend on grass fed beef because you know, cows are killing the planet give me a break. So, so it's, it is a little bit, not to scare you, but it is time to think about that. You keep outsourcing your power. It might not seem like, uh, it's just a little bit like whatever. It's, it's just this, it's just a stimulus check or 
whatever. It's just little things. Like, does it really matter? But in the grand scheme of things, there's going to be a moment where it does matter and you have to choose to, to insource your truth. You're going to have to stay aligned to that inner knowingness and that interconnectedness because they're going to, there's going to be this awakening moment where you're like, oh, wait, I, I need, I value personal sovereignty, right? You're going to have this moment when you, maybe you do now, you have this, like, I value personal sovereignty. I don't want somebody telling me if I can go visit my kids. You know, that's a big reason I'm freaking out is because I'm like, we're going to, it's going to be hard. If I choose to go start traveling and my kids are here in Lander, it's, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be costly and it's going to be hard to be moving around freely like we used to. That's the, that's part of the plan. And so it's important not to be reactive, not to wait until that happens, but to have internal sovereignty now so that you don't worry about it then. Because I know when the time comes, I'll, I'll be able to get to my kids. I'm not, I mean, I'm worried, but I'm not worried. I'm worried in like, oh, I got to like think through a couple extra steps. I have to like evaluate, do I want that much struggle to get to them later? Or is there a place where I could have acceptance that we could all thrive within this 100 mile radius? That's really not the point. The point is internal and external accountability or internal external uh you know guidance who's who are you going to look to when we I, i'm amazed with homeschooling you know i used to say phew, i wrote a book didn't do anything with it it was like a mini book but um it's not about the curriculum and i wrote this back when danny was probably 12 or 13 and it was literally it's not about the curriculum like so many people won't pull their kids from school because they're like but i don't know if i can teach them what are you trying to teach them? Like the subjects that the school teaches them are not going to serve them in the future. Okay. Yes. If they want to be engineers, possibly they're going to need some math, but they don't necessarily need the math in the way that the school system teaches the math. History, history is being rewritten. In fact, I'd argue that the history that they're teaching in school is, well, if it's a lie now, think about it this way. I think it's pretty obvious to most people that you go like, oh, wow, they're teaching kind of a lie. They're teaching a narrative in history. So what's to say, because remember, the Rockefellers, the ones who own Big Pharma, who pretty much run the planet, they're the ones who started the school systems. Right now, you know who, who decides the curriculum for schools? Bill Gates. So if, if it's a lie now, what's to say it wasn't a lie before? What's to say, like, sometimes people are wanting to... You know, we need to protect the history of, this is being really extreme, but of the Constitution. And who's to say that some of that hasn't been been switched? Like, the fact is, is like, we can't rely on anything as being truth. And even further, like most things that we see are are the complete opposite of the truth. So if you look at everything in that flipped reality, should make you question, at least should make you curious about like, why am I doing this? Why am I sending my kids to school? Why am I doing this job? Why am I, you know, feeling this way? Everything, everything should be questioned. Okay. Cause there's no, there's no one answer for you. There's no one answer for me. All there is, is space for reflection and adaptation or, um, in intention. Cause it's really like you can adapt and that becomes reactive, but it's really when you can step into the intuitive nature, the, um, sorry, uh, B 
the intention, that's third eye, right? Intent. When you set an intention, you're looking forward into what you want to be, what you, how you want to feel, what you want your day to look like. So if you're like going back to sending your kids to school, like all these, if all of these, um, subjects, if we go like, well, I can't, I can't homeschool my kids. I don't know how to teach these subjects. That shouldn't be the question. The question should be like, why are my kids learning this subject to begin with? Is that going to serve their greater good in the grand scheme of life? Or should we be teaching our kids how to be intuitive, how to listen to their inner guidance, how to harness their inner gifts, how to live their purpose, how to be healthy, right? And like just, if you just spend time just teaching your kids how to be healthy, healthy is a version of you have to have a certain amount of joint integrity, strength, um, mobility, flexibility, cardiovascular fitness, um, like true health is just one of many parts of living a good life, but true health in and of itself is that's, that's a, that's a massive undertaking. If you spent the next year saying, I'm not even going to teach subjects. I'm just going to focus my days on creating the most abundant amount of health in my children as possible. And hopefully in yourself, that would change the world in a way that like is, it's really unfathomable, but like to be a healthy human being that has like your cells, we would start living probably to like what Zach Bush says, like 200, because our cells uh, can heal everything. They, they really can. We don't need, we don't need doctors. I mean, doctors help, can help, you know, stitch up or uh, set a bone, but we don't need doctors to create health for us. We create our own health. Okay. I have rambled way long enough and it's actually hot in the car now. So I'm going to end it with that. You still haven't emailed me. That's okay. I'm going to say it at the end. I need feedback. Robin at nomadswithapurpose.com. Hope you guys have an amazing day. I'm going to go trail run with Gabby or with, uh, Isabel. Uh, actually I'm thinking I'm going to take them all. I'm going to go trail run with all of my children today. All right. I hope you live a stoked life and tomorrow you better wake up excited to start your day.